Lord, thank you for tonight. We get to have a lot of fun, and we're excited about that. And um, the biggest thing, Lord, that makes our hearts excited is that we get to hear from you and be in your presence tonight, God, and we get to learn about you. And I pray, Father, that as we're here, that you would do something in us, that there would be movement in our hearts, that we would hear from you and see you more clearly. God, that as we study your word, that we'd hear your voice. Your Holy Spirit would help change us and transform us so that when we leave this place tonight, God, we'll be different people just for the few moments we spent in your presence. And we love you. We ask you to direct your time in the word. To Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you could just yell this out, all right? But don't be like crazy about it. But what is the best superpower you could have? Go, ooh, started off strong. Flying? There's a lot of flying out there. But like if you can fly and you're not super strong, what if you hit a bird? Done. Like you're just done. You got a seagull to the chest, you're over, you know? Whoa, whoa. All right, all right. Yeah. Yeah, x-ray vision would be awesome. Yeah. Those laser eyes. You're like, yeah. All right, all right, cool. Here's, an, here's my second question, because there's, there's lots of cool powers, right? But my second question is kind of linked to that. So, I, first of all, I hate it when you're watching superhero movies, and the superhero has these, like, crazy awesome powers, and then they're, like, whiny the whole time. Like, oh, I wish I didn't have powers. They're ruining my life. You know, like, you know what I'm talking about? And the whole time, they're like, I wish I was just normal. I'm like, why? I would not want, if I could fly, I'd be flying, right? Seagull to the chest or not, like... Superpowers are awesome. Why are you going to like complain about it? it? Drives me nuts. And I'm studying the passage that we're looking because we're still we're finishing up tonight our series, our three parts on the body of Christ. Like what is it? What's the church? Who are we? Right? And so tonight as I'm studying the passage, all I could think about was that like these whiny superheroes who have all these powers and they just ignore them. They don't use them or even want them sometimes. They're, like take it back. Like they reject their powers. And what we're going to see tonight, Paul is going to tell us a little bit about these amazing powers, they're not superhero powers, they're actually way better, that the Holy Spirit gives us. And they're things that we can't do on our own. They're not natural powers, they're spiritual powers, they're supernatural powers that only God himself can give us. And when he does give it to us, when we've believed on Jesus and the Holy Spirit's like, I have power for you. And I want you to use it. I want you to go out and enjoy it. And I want you to change people's lives and do good with this power. Sometimes what we do is we act like those whiny superheroes. And we're like, yeah, like, I don't really want to use that. Kind of just want to be normal. I just want to be like the world, you know, like everybody around me. I don't want to have to step out of my comfort zone. I don't want to have to like do things that look different from what everyone else does because it'll put me in the spotlight and then like friends will be making fun of me or whatnot. And I just, I'd rather not have this power you're giving me. And Paul's like, but when you get saved, God's giving you a power. Serve him and to serve the people you to change the world. <laughs> and you're looking back at God sometimes and you're, you might be, I've done it. You might be like this and just be like, God, like, I just don't want to do that right now. I don't want to acknowledge that you've given me that because then I have to use it. And that means like it's risky and it's scary and I got to step out in faith and it's just too much. Like just hold on to it. I don't need it right now. But how crazy would it be to have that? Let's say you could fly tonight. 
you could just go out. You don't have to wait for your parents to pick you up. You walk out the door, you're like, head home, you know, and like you just fly home. How awesome would that be? But how horrible would it be if you could do it and you're just like, nah, I don't want to use it. I'll wait for mom to pull up in the Volkswagen or whatever, you know, and like get a, jump in the back with the dog. Just hang out. Like, you could do that, yeah, or you could fly home, right? Like that would be so awesome. But yet when we do it with our supernatural powers that God wants to give us, the powers of the spirit, we don't think anything of it. We're just like, yeah, well, that's cool. It's good for Jesus. It's good for God. Like, and so tonight, Paul is going to challenge us to take note, to become aware of what God's actually given you. Now, listen, I am not telling you that when you get saved, you become a superhero or get some superpowers. I'm telling you that God does some incredible stuff inside of you to allow you to serve him in ways you could never do without him. But you got to be willing to walk in the spirit and accept what God has for you. And this is the key. It's called faith. You can have faith. You got to trust that when God calls you to do a scary thing, you're able to go, that's so scary. (laughs) But yes, yes, I'll go. And as you take those steps, all of a sudden, God does some amazing stuff in you. So what I was doing was I was trying to get into the passage and I was looking through the book of Acts. If you've never read Acts, it's an incredible book. Talks about the beginning of the church and you get to see how it formed and all these people and what God did. And so Acts like chapter two is a great place to look and just be like, what was the church like when it first started? Like when it was just a baby church, people were just able to like believe on Jesus. And there were some cool things. First of all, they were all filled with the spirit in Acts two. Everybody in the church were filled with the spirit. And that might sound like to you, like what is that churchy talk? Like what does being filled with the spirit mean? It means that they were changed. They went from sinners and having these lives that just looked like the world and brokenness. And all of a sudden there was this 180 change in their life where they stopped that. They gave it up and they started following Jesus. And their life looked completely different. It's a supernatural change because the spirit was in them. The spirit of God was literally living in them, helping them look like Jesus and live like Jesus. And they were empowered to do these incredible things. Second thing is that they were they were all exercising their spiritual gifts, right? We talked last week about how each of us are different part of the body. Some are feet, some are mouthpieces, some are ears, hands. And you do the thing God's gifted you to do, right? And you serve the body. And as we all do that together, the body grows and gets stronger. And that's what they were doing. They were actually using these spiritual gifts. They weren't just sitting back in a chair on Sunday morning and be like, all right, worship band, like, entertain me, play some awesome songs I can sing along to and clap my hands to and get excited. Pastor, get on a stage and preach something really like inspirational. So when I leave, I'll be all excited and can walk out feeling better about my life. And I'm just gonna sit here and just take it all in and do nothing. That's not what the church in Acts chapter two looked like. There were a bunch of people that came together all using their different gifts. They weren't all preachers. They weren't all worship leaders. They, weren't all, they were all different, but they were all doing their thing and helping and contributing to each other. They weren't just sitting there consuming everything, being lazy about it. They were like, let me serve you, Jesus. The third thing is they were all preaching the gospel. Like they're all so excited because they just watched this incredible dude who could heal people, raise people from the dead, do miracles, walk on water. Like this incredible Jesus that they all met and believed in, they watched him die. They watched him get buried. 
And three days later, they saw him ascend into heaven. Come back to life. But listen, they couldn't control their mouths. They had to go around and just blab to everyone that Jesus was the son of God. So they were constantly sharing this incredible story. So many of us have lost that. We're like, that was 2,000 years ago. But for you, when Jesus enters your heart and you trust him, it was a month ago, a couple years ago, whenever it was that you looked Jesus in the face and said, I trust you. Is that still new in your heart? Is that still fresh every morning when you wake up and you're like, Jesus is still saving me today. He's actively like at work in my life. Or have you gotten kind of bored with it, the whole thing, and you're just like, yeah, he's cool, whatever. It was 2,000 years ago. He did this thing on a cross. Sweet. Or does it still make your heart beat fast to think about how awesome Jesus is and how much he loves you? That's where our faith is centered. The power of your Christian life will be based right there. How much you really believe and how grateful you really are that Jesus did that for you. Because the more you believe it and the more you're grateful for it, the more it's just going to pour out of you. That's what they were doing. They were preaching the gospel all the time. And they didn't wait till they were like, you know, I'm like, I've been a Christian now for 10 years. I went through all the classes. I went to seminary. I did all this stuff. So now I can go tell people about Jesus. No, it was like, I saw him yesterday. Like, I trusted in him. And this is what happened. He changed my life. You're like, You've only been saved a day. I know. I can't wait to tell you about it. You see, it didn't take, like, formal training for them to be able to walk around and just tell people that Jesus is awesome. They just knew it because they experienced it in their own heart. And so many of you guys have too. There's so many people in this room that know Jesus is their Savior. Does that get you jazzed up at all? Do you get excited about the fact that he loves you that much? Or are you still waiting to the point where you're trained enough to go tell people? And these people were like, I can't hold it in. I just got to go tell people what happened to me. And the last thing is that they were all unified in love. They loved each other. There was a seal on their hearts, right? This stamp of like authenticity, like this is the real deal. And it's the Holy Spirit. And he causes us to love each other in ways that like, it's just the world sees it and is like, how in the world do you love each other like that? How do you forgive people when they've done things like that to you? How do you overlook these things? How do you, because it's supernatural, like God's doing stuff through us that I wouldn't do otherwise. We're loving each other in ways that we couldn't do without Jesus. And the world sees it. That's what the church looked like in Acts chapter 2. It's awesome. And I pray that that's what we would look like, right? We don't lose that fire for Jesus. And so tonight's passage is 1 Corinthians 12. You can open there or look up on the screens, verses 1 to 11. This is what Paul tells us about being the body of Christ. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, 
The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So Paul starts off by pointing something out that a lot of us probably tonight, I would say, probably need to hear. In verse 1, he says, now about spiritual gifts, don't, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, he's not using the word ignorant to be ugly with us. He's not trying to be rude or like talk down on us. What he means by this is that when we talk about spiritual gifts, a lot of times we either don't talk about it, you know, as Baptists, a lot of times we kind of like, oh, just leave that over there. Let's not talk about spiritual gifts because, you know, it's controversial, you know, whatever. And then we just ignore it completely. Or some of us are just like, man, I'm so focused on life, you know, and doing my thing that I don't really think about the spiritual stuff at all because I have so many physical things that I need to do. I have homework. I got school. I got sports. I got clubs. I got family. I got so many things. I'm too busy for the spiritual stuff that I can't really see. And nobody's going to come behind me and be like, you didn't do that. You know, easily let that one pass. And Paul says now about spiritual gifts, because they're real and you have them. And then he uses the word brothers. So you have to be a Christian, a believer in Jesus to have these. You don't get this unless you're following Jesus. When you've been saved, it's something that happens because the Spirit lives in you. And when you have the Spirit of God inside of you, living in you, communing with you, talking to you, leading you, directing you, how are you going to contain this power of the Spirit of God? It is going to pour out all of over you, right? Like it just coming out because he's bigger and stronger and more powerful than you. And he's living inside of you. So as you live your life, it spills out all over the place as spiritual gifts, the power of God. If you're a believer, but people who aren't believers, they don't get this because they don't have the spirit living within them. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Man, so many of us, are content with just the things around us in this world. Like if we were to be honest, if you got rich and got an awesome car and a sweet house and like married the person in your dreams and had like a nice family and like that was it, you got to do fun stuff and just live a, a fun life, you'd be, you'd be A-okay. You'd be like, this is awesome. I love this. But Paul's like, what about that big gaping hole in your heart? the one where Jesus fits, where he lives, that you are now a spiritual being. Your dead spirit was raised to life, and it's alive in you, and it wants to live, and you keep ignoring that, right? I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to ignore the spiritual side of who you now are and just live in the world. He's trying to wake up your spirit because it's alive in there. And here's what he's saying. It's not okay to do nothing for the kingdom of God. It's not okay. It's not okay to be like, Jesus, I want you to save me, and you pray a prayer, and he's 
He saves you because you place your faith in him, and that's awesome, right? And now you've taken that step, and you have a relationship with Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. And then some of us get there, and we're like, sweet. Now I can chill. I can just stop now. That's what I needed. Now I'm just going to go back to my life. And Paul's saying that's not okay. He didn't save you and raise you from the dead in your spirit so you can keep being physical. Put your body to death, that physical side of you to death, and raised your spirit to life. So live like a spiritual being. Get out there and let the Holy Spirit do work through you, loving people, serving people, being involved in your church, preaching the gospel, doing the things that Jesus did and, and does through you today. But so many of us are cool being ignorant. We're just like, I'm going to ignore that part of me. And Paul's like, let it wake up inside of you. Get up and serve Jesus with his powerful spirit in you. Don't just sit there. Don't just ignore it. And verse 2 says, you know that when you were pagans, which means like non-believers before you were saved, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. So before we're saved, here's what we do. We look at the coolest thing around, and we tend to worship that thing. You might not be, like, having a worship service in your house with, like, lights and smoke machines, and you're, like, singing to the front row to, like, a statue. Like, maybe you're not doing that. But in a way, you're prioritizing it in your life. There's something. There will always be something that takes that top space in your heart, that priority of, like, worship. Like, this is what I care most about. And before you know Jesus, you don't have a choice. Like, it's just what's around you. It's what you can see. But once you do know Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're not limited to just this junk around us that's going to fade away. The stuff that can't last forever. Now you can worship someone who does last forever. Now you can look up to heaven and see something so much better because your eyes can now see spiritual things that are eternal, that are so much more powerful and beautiful and valuable than anything you're going to find on this planet. And Paul says, when you, before you knew Jesus, you just got dragged away to that one way or another, like your heart was just being pulled to worship some worthless thing. It doesn't need to be that way anymore. He says, he says in verse 3, Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. That word cursed there means this. They would take some sort of like item in a temple, and they would, let's say it was an animal, they would kill it. And it would be like this kind of sacrifice. But then they would go and they would hang it up in the temple somewhere, maybe on the columns or like on the rafters, so that it could serve when people come, came in, they would see it. And it would basically just be wasted. It would be this thing that had, it was destroyed and it would never be used again and never be good for anything else. And it was a reminder to people of that, that offering that was given. But it was always seen as just wasted, just just like destruction and doom and like there's no hope. And that's what, that's what people did. That's what these pagans would do in their temples. And so this word here, when people would say that about Jesus, like his death on a cross was not just some animal that was slaughtered and left in just, just trash. It wasn't about doom and destruction and hopelessness. Like Jesus is dead. Oh, well, it's all over. Paul's saying people can't say that if they really know Jesus, because if they really know Jesus, guess what? They know he's alive. He's not hanging up there anymore. He's off the cross. He's risen to heaven, and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of your heart, giving you life. 
And so if anyone were to say that Jesus isn't the solution, or like we saw in Hebrews, that he isn't better than everything, then they don't really know Jesus, and they don't really have the Holy Spirit. And in order for you to actually say that he is better than everything, guess what you need? The Holy Spirit. You actually have to have a relationship with God to understand how incredible Jesus is. Because you have this intimate relationship offered to you when you place your faith in him. You get to know God himself. That brings life into you. And Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. For us to be able to even bow down before Jesus and say, I want to serve you, we need the Holy Spirit to give us the power to do that. And there are people who try, right? We know. You may have met them. You might have been that person at some point where you're like, I'm going to convince everybody that I'm a good person. I'm going to convince everybody that I'm a believer. I'm going to convince everyone I'm a good church person or whatever your, your, your uh, deal is. But Paul says, it's only done by Jesus. You can't get there on your own. You can't just change your behavior and have everybody see you and you act a certain way and look a certain way and all of a sudden you've made it, right? This has to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So guess what? If we're only living in our flesh and looking at like, hey, I need a 4.5 GPA and I need a full scholarship to this college and that's the only thing you care about, you're missing out. Because that college is going to disappear one day and your little diploma you take home is going to fade and rot and you'll be standing at the gates of heaven looking at God himself and none of that stuff will matter anymore. Your nice car, your sweet house, nothing on this earth is going to matter. It will all fade. But when you look into the eyes of God, it's going to register in your head. This is what should have mattered. This is what should have changed my life. This is what I should have lived for. I didn't. I pray that you guys can get to that point and say, I did. I saw you, Jesus. I knew you. I knew that you were the greatest thing to live for. I knew I couldn't change my life on my own, and I trusted you to do it, and I watched you work miracles inside of me and through me. Not because I did anything special. I just trusted you. That's what Paul's asking us to do. Man, if you're part of the body of Christ, that's who you are. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve Jesus in inexplicable ways. Unbelievable ways. If you're bowing before Jesus. If you're trusting his Holy Spirit to do that through you. Paul says it's not okay to just sit there. It's not okay to neglect or ignore these spiritual gifts. But why is it then that we look at our physical gifts so often and we like, spotlight those like i hope that you see that i'm a good singer and i want to sing i want you to like be like well you're awesome you should be on tiktok some sweet little moves you know whatever (laughs) okay i'm old but whatever you get what i'm saying but when it comes to like serving people oh that's boring who's gonna pat me on the back how am i gonna get on tiktok how am i gonna get famous over that like who's gonna really notice We tend to take our spiritual things, right? Because we keep, he says, we keep getting dragged back to the physical world. 
to these mute idols that can't do anything. They can't talk. They can't speak. It's just an idol. But sometimes our own gifts, the physical stuff, how fast I can run down a football field with a pigskin, like everybody that stands or cheering for me as I run into the end zone, like, yeah, that's what I want, you know? When was the last time you got excited about being able to use your spiritual gifts to serve Jesus as much as you did about your sport? Your intelligence, your beauty, your sense of style, how funny you are, how cool you are. All those things will fade. Paul says, are you using the spiritual gifts that Jesus has given you? Because they're so much better. Peter agrees with Paul, right? He, in 1 Peter 4.11, Peter chimes in. He has this warning. He says, uh, let him do it as the ability God gives. It's not something you do. It's the ability that God gives you to be able to serve and use your gifts. Without it, you can't. Verse 4, he says, now there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Different kinds of service, same Lord. Different kinds of working, same God. So he's pointing out three awesome things. When you really are part of the body of Christ, you're attached to a Trinity God. You know that? There are three persons in one that make up one God with three persons in it, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look what he does here. He's like, listen, you get to be connected to the three persons of the one God. There are different kinds of gifts. Guess who gives them? The Spirit. Of God, that's His job in the Godhead is to give you these these uh, gifts. There are different kinds of service. Like, how do you use those gifts? Guess who helps you do that? The greatest servant that ever lived, Jesus, the Son, the Lord. Right? He went to a cross to serve you. He had nails put on his hands and feet. He was whipped and beaten for you. The greatest servant ever is the one that helps you, directs you to use those gifts the Spirit gives you. And then it says there are different kinds of working. Who's planning the whole thing out? Father himself. And you get to tap into that. You get to be connected to the God of the universe who will do the most unbelievable things through you. Fullness of who God is. But you have to choose it. You have to choose to walk in the spirit. To say, Lord, I'm going to wake up today. Here's the first thing I'm going to ask you. Be with me today. Fill me today. Tell me what you want me to do today. Give me the faith to trust you enough to actually do it when it's scary. I want my day to be about you. And you know what? After you do that day one, day two, day three, you stumble maybe on day four, you get back up on day five, and all of a sudden you've got this like this train moving forward saying, Jesus, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to live for you. Your life has just become completely about Jesus. You look up and you're like, I'm different. Every day he's changing me to look more like him. Why? Just because I simply get up and say, I'm yours today. What do you want me to do? Show me, empower me, give me faith today. And then he goes through, and we're not going to look at all of these individually tonight. We don't have time, but we will in the future. If you have questions about this, please come talk to me or your leader. But he lists every one of these. Well, he lists different gifts of the Spirit that the Spirit does give you. And we're going to read through them. Verse 7, it says, Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So basically, like, he gives you these gifts. Why? So you'll look awesome. You'll make it on the news. People are going to clap for you and applaud. There are going to be parades for you. No, 
for the common good. He wants you to use your gifts for this body right here. To help other people. To love them. To step out of this church and go into like widows' houses and help them and and pick weeds in their yard and love on them when they feel lonely and pray for people, pray for each other, right? It's the common good. It's not your gift isn't for you. Your gift is for the people around you. Are you using it for them? Or are you surrounded by people that are starving spiritually because you're not even trying to feed anyone? People that could use your very gift that God has put in you and the Holy Spirit's empowering you and you're there and ready and you're going, no, I'm going to be ignorant to that. I'd rather not do it today. Who's going hungry or without because you're not saying yes to Jesus? Would you be willing to say yes for the common good? And here they are. To one there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, okay? People are granted wisdom. Solomon asked for that, right? Solomon got wisdom beyond everyone else. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Another, faith by the same spirit. What if you woke up and said, God, just give me faith today, right? Not like, hey, let me fly or have some like crazy supernatural power, but just straight up, let me believe that everything you say I can trust. Let me have faith in you today. God changes the world through people like that. What kind of faith do you have? Do you doubt him? That he's big enough and strong enough to do what he said? So there's this gift of faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, all these things that the, the spirit does, right? We know that in Acts church, like all these people are gathered around, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up. And people, these, these dudes who don't even know barely their own language because they're not very educated are all of a sudden all speaking all these languages and basically preaching the gospel. And people from all over the, the world, basically all these different languages, understand. And they're hearing it. And they're hearing about Jesus, that he died, that he rose again. And they're like, what? How do you speak my language? We, you are definitely not from my home country. The Holy Spirit just showed up and said, everything that happened in the Tower of Babel, Right when he separated the languages because they built a big tall tower, he reversed it in that moment, and he allowed them to understand each other perfectly because he wanted them to hear the hope of Jesus. He took down all the obstacles. It's not like they could just walk around and call on their superpower. It's that God showed up and said, "I'm doing this through you." When you have faith to believe that God will do that, holy cow, you better hold on. Your life is about to go wild. Because God is going to work through people like that who say, Jesus, whatever you want. Whatever you want to do. I'm laying my, my desires down and just letting you work through me. And so he says he has all these different things. Look at verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So, man, I love the fact that I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have this perfect strategy to save the world. Jesus already did it. All he wants me to do is look to him, and it says that he will use it as he determines. You're like, I don't know how to use my gift. 
Do I need classes on how to figure out what it is and like how to use it? No, you just need to believe Jesus. You just need to look up to God and say, whatever my gift is, work through me, empower me. I trust you, I'll follow you. And he determines how he's gonna use it through you. You don't have to sit there and try to study and debunk this thing. Just turn your heart over to Jesus and let him do some work in you. First step, listen to me, the first step is step of faith. Will you say yes? And so I want to close by giving you four practical things you could do if you're like, man, I want to be like this. I want to be used by God as as a part of this body. And I want to see these spiritual gifts just being used through me. Here's what you do. Four things real quick. The first one is this. Pray. (laughs) Constantly ask God to just cleanse your life. Lay your sin at God's feet. And ask him to fill you with his power and the power of the spirit. Just ask God to do that. Be in prayer. Be in communication with the Lord. Don't ignore him for months or years and all of a sudden go back to him when things go bad. Talk to him every day. Have a relationship where you pray and talk to God. Second thing, yield. It means like submit, like give up, surrender yourself to Jesus. Humbly say, I'll serve you however you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do with my life. I'm going to yield to you. Whatever you ask me to do, you get to make the plan. Pray and yield. The third thing is be filled with the Spirit. Be willing to say, God, I want your Spirit to empower me. I'm going to stop trying to live in my flesh. I'm going to stop trying to get people saved. I'm going to stop trying to, like, do all this work and accomplish things in my own flesh. I'm going to trust your power to get them saved through me and your power to work awesome things and do all this stuff. But I'm, I want to be filled with your spirit and your power, not my own. And the last thing is walk in that spirit. When God does come up to you and he says, here you go, this is what I want you to do. And he fills you up with this passion and you know the Holy Spirit's inside of you speaking to you saying, all right, it's time. Trust him enough to walk with him. Trust him enough to go to school and talk to those friends who don't know Jesus. And it scares you to death to think about stepping out of your comfort zone and being that guy or that girl. He says, I believe in you. Whatever the thing is, will you have the courage to say yes to the Holy Spirit and to walk in step with him? Pray, yield, be filled with the Spirit and walk in the power of that spirit. And I guarantee you, as a member of the body of Christ, God is going to do unbelievable things through your life. But you got to trust him and stop trying to live in the world. And you'll see him show up. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, that's, that's exactly me. I love Jesus. I've just been stuck on the next step. I haven't known where to go from here. But that's what God's calling me to do is to take that next step and maybe step out and be a leader. Maybe step into service. Maybe just simply pray tonight and tell God what's happening inside of me and, and ask him, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me these spiritual gifts. Help me serve you. That's you tonight, and the Lord's like, here's your next step, and you want to you obey. Will you just slip your hand up? You say, Rob, that's me. Will you pray for me tonight? I want that power, and I want to follow Jesus, and I'm ready to do that tonight. Will you just let me pray for you? Just raise your hand up in the air. Yeah, I see you right there. 
Yeah, I see you over there. Anybody else? Anybody else want to follow Jesus tonight and just say, give me the power of your spirit. I want to live in you. I'm going to pray for you guys in just a second. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I don't know Jesus is my savior. I don't know that if I were to die tonight after water wars and I'm on my way home, I don't know where I'd go. I don't know if I've been forgiven by God, but if you want to tonight, if you want to know how you can be forgiven, how you can have eternal life, you want a relationship with this Jesus I'm talking about that loves you so much, you can know that. You don't have to walk away wondering, like confused, like tonight we can talk. And you can, you can talk to Jesus. If that's you tonight, would you just raise your hand up and say, look, that's me. I want to know Jesus and I want my sins forgiven. Yeah, I see you right there. Anybody else join her and say, look, I want Jesus as my savior. I want to be able to leave here tonight and know where I'm going. Anybody else? That's awesome. I'd love to talk to you before you leave, all right? Let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you that you're working in this room tonight. We just talked about it, but we can't manufacture anything in our own hearts. The Holy Spirit has to do it. And God, you're showing up in students' hearts. Thank you that there are students who responded tonight to say, God, you are better than everything. For those who want to take that next step of faith, service, fill them with the courage to do it. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, give them what they're asking for and blow their mind into the things that you're going to do in their life. For those who raise their hand and say they want to know you as their Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave here tonight without having a conversation with me or their leader and knowing that they are saved by the God of this universe because Jesus died for them and rose again. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.